0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Goal Line Podcast, I'm your host Patrick Seifer, also known as NoHuddleNFL on TikTok and Instagram, that is NoHuddleNFL with no capitals and no spaces. So, it was week 5 of the NFL season, and it just ended on Monday with a pretty good game, the game that I personally would have in like the top 5 this season just because it really went down to last minute like all overtime games do, would it have been better if the Ravens, you know, didn't score on the first drive of overtime? Absolutely. That would have made it a much better game. But it was still a very interesting game to watch because Lamar Jackson and the Ravens were down... And they basically didn't have a chance at the end of the first quarter. It didn't really seem like the Colts could have lost that game. But then Lamar Jackson comes out, and he he looks like the best quarterback in the league. Or at least in that second half he did. Would I say he's the best quarterback in the league? Probably not, but he's definitely up there. And that game against the Colts just reinforced that point. Okay, he didn't really play all that well in the first half, but no one on the Ravens did. In the second half, though, he was 29 for 32, with 335 passing yards, and zero interceptions, and four passing touchdowns. So my question is, to start off this podcast, can Lamar Jackson carry the Ravens to a division title? Because it's no secret, without Lamar Jackson, this team is not all that good. And if you ask me, I think they probably go like, at this point, two and three at best, possibly one and four, maybe, maybe three and two. But I don't think this team would be all that great with almost any other quarterback. Even the quarterbacks that I would consider better than him like Patrick Mahomes, quarterbacks like that. I do not think that the Ravens would be a better team if they had Patrick Mahomes. Now, is that because Lamar Jackson is much better than Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely not. In fact, you can make an argument that Patrick Mahomes is better. And if Patrick Mahomes keeps playing as poorly as he has been, then Lamar Jackson probably will be the better quarterback, but that... That's besides the point. I'll get into Patrick Mahomes and how poorly he's been playing later. For now, I just want to talk about Lamar Jackson. And he's the only player in the NFL that could go on this offense and make it work. Okay? Josh Allen, I consider him the best quarterback in the NFL right now. I'll also get to him later in this episode. And is Lamar Jackson mobile? I mean, is Josh Allen mobile? Absolutely and he has the mobility to make this offense work, but I don't think he can improvise and make plays without anything really surrounding him quite like Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen could definitely do it, and a lot of quarterbacks such as Mahomes definitely could, but I don't think there's another quarterback as self-sufficient and independent as Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson... ...is that Ravens offense. And keep in mind, football is a very much team sport. And yeah, you could say that about basketball, soccer, whatever, okay? But with football, for most teams, 99.9% of the time, if you don't have 11 guys putting in maximum effort at a pro level you're not going to do all that well. And if you don't have 11 guys that could play at a pro football level, you're not going to win many games. But notice that I said 99.9% of the time. What about that other 0.1% of the time? Or 0.01% of the time? that is what the Ravens are or at least that's what they looked like against the Colts okay because the defense did not play well all right the defense didn't play very well the receivers were pretty good fine but let's be honest Lamar Jackson was the reason that that team played well Lamar Jackson was the guy that got that team rolling yeah Mark Andrews had a great game yeah, you know, Marquise Brown had a good game. But that doesn't happen if Lamar Jackson isn't, extend, isn't extending plays like he always does. That doesn't happen if Lamar Jackson isn't throwing the perfect ball on the run under pressure because the offensive line got beat a player or two. Lamar Jackson had a very good game, or a very good second half. The first half was not great, but no one on the Ravens played well in the first half. I don't know what happened during halftime, but something flipped in Lamar Jackson. And if he can always play like that, he is this year's MVP. Some people still believe the Lamar Jackson is a running back type of thing, even though he should have shut you up about that during his MVP season in 2019. But for you, very small amount of people that still think Lamar Jackson is a running back, he just proved you wrong. I just talked about how he had a great second half without even mentioning what he did running the ball. 335 passing yards in one half. That is unheard of. That is insane. The thing with the Ravens is that they aren't exactly a high-caliber football team if you take away Lamar Jackson. You take away Lamar Jackson, like I said... This team probably doesn't have a winning record right now. Lamar Jackson is the offense. And the defense isn't all that great either. So, if you really think about it, Lamar Jackson is the team. Yeah, he has some pieces around him. Sure. Marquise Brown has been playing pretty well this season. Mark Andrews is a very good weapon. But the team isn't even remotely as close or as good... (laughs) If you take away Lamar Jackson. And you know when you're paying. A quarterback a lot of money. Which the Ravens will be paying him a lot of money after this year. They should. Be, pe- be playing this well. They should be carrying the entire team. How about we move over to kind of the opposite. Type of scenario. Alright. Not. How. How is this quarterback going to carry the team? No, how about, how is the team going to carry this quarterback? The Seahawks just lost their star quarterback, Russell Wilson. He's been the star of their franchise, the face of their franchise, for so long. Almost a decade. About a decade, actually. And now Geno Smith is the guy taking snaps. (laughs) Do we think that the Seahawks will be able to be a successful team without Russell Wilson and with Geno Smith? I mean, I look at their schedule. Russell Wilson's supposed to be out eight weeks. And, I mean, they don't exactly have the easiest couple of games coming up. They have a game against the Jaguars. That really helps. I think they win that no matter what, no matter who's at quarterback. A game against the Texans, if Russell Wilson is out eight weeks, Geno Smith would still be playing quarterback. And they'd probably win that even with Geno Smith playing quarterback. But, I mean, everything else other than Washington looks really, really tough for them. And then maybe the Steelers they could beat. But other than that, I don't think that the team is going to be... Really successful with Geno Smith playing quarterback. Yeah, he looked good against the Rams But here's something that people don't really understand and it amazes me because every single time a quarterback gets injured The same exact thing happens or most of the time a quarterback gets injured (laughs) When a quarterback gets injured and a new quarterback comes into the game the new quarterback is gonna play well at least for that game because quarterback is such a important position and such a tendency-relying position, especially at an NFL level, where when this new quarterback comes into the game, because all quarterbacks in the NFL are good. Everyone knows that. Every, if you are in the NFL and playing quarterback, you, you can make some really impressive throws and do everything that a quarterback should be expected to do. That's what happens when you play quarterback in the NFL. You're not in college anymore where some quarterbacks can only run the ball and not throw it whatsoever. Okay, every quarterback can throw the ball 50 yards down the field. Every quarterback can make a lot of throws with ease. They could very reliably and consistently hit the slant route with an extremely accurate, perfect spiral ball. Every quarterback can do that. All right? And there's some quarterbacks that do it extremely well. And they do it all the time. And they make great reads on the field. And, you know, they're mobile. They have an extremely strong arm. And they're able to not just throw 60 yards down the field. They can throw at 80. Right? There's those guys. And Russell Wilson is one of those guys. One of those big playmakers. And when you lose him, the presence is felt. Okay? But if you're a defense and you prepared all week to play against Russell Wilson... And then all of a sudden, he goes down? I I I mean, it's... I don't want to say it's good. But from a game standpoint, from a the Rams' on-field standpoint, it does help them win, in theory. But then you also have to remember, oh, shoot, Geno Smith doesn't do the same things Russell Wilson does. They're going to call different plays that we haven't prepared for all week because we were preparing for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is going to throw the ball deep on this play, but Geno Smith, he's going to throw it on the other side of the field on a shorter route. It kind of catches a defense off guard when you just randomly switch your quarterback. or Not randomly, but you're forced to switch your quarterback. And I wouldn't say it helps you win, but it does add a new layer of, you know, difficulty to the defense. And that's part of the reason Geno Smith played so well against the Rams, or at least that's what I think. Maybe he could continue to do this, but I doubt it. It's Geno Smith. Let's let's temper down our expectations until we see him do this for a full game that he starts in. All right? But the good thing for the Seahawks, they are, four, they are ninth in the league in the yards per carry this season with 4.5. That is good. That means even if Geno Smith doesn't play all that well, you can still run the ball and still have an efficient offense. And I, I get Geno Smith isn't all that good, but they have so much talent at receiver with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, the passing attack should still be somewhat decent. Okay, and then the defense, of course, isn't very good. It hasn't really been good since, like, the end of last year, but before the end of last year, they were not doing well, and then they're kind of back to what they were at the start of last year again, Uh, but, you know, it's getting better. It's only going to get better, so hopefully the defense is aware that they have to step it up because Geno Smith is playing quarterback now and they no longer have one of the best quarterbacks in the league throwing the ball for them, or at least for this four-to-eight-week period. But anyway, let's look at these next four-to-eight games for the Seahawks, all right? So the first game this week, week six, is the Seahawks playing against the Steelers. Personally... I can see them winning this, but I think the Steelers' defense is too good. They had a pretty good game offensively last week. I think the Steelers win this game. It's Geno Smith's first start in a very long time. It's in Pittsburgh. I think that the Steelers win. Now, how about playing the Saints at home in Seattle? This is another game I could see them winning, but they are coached so well, especially on defense, that they're going to be able to exploit the flaws in Geno Smith's game. They are one of the teams that it will hurt a lot to have your backup quarterback playing, or a young quarterback playing. Geno Smith isn't young, but he's a backup. Okay. Okay. Jaguars. This is a game they could win. This is a game I think they will win. The Jaguars are terrible. They're not a good team. There's no sugarcoating it. They are a bad football team. Geno Smith is not a very good quarterback, but the rest of the Seahawks' offense is very good, and the defense is only going to get better, like I said. Now, going into Green Bay playing the Packers, they're, they're not winning this game. This is a loss. Unless Geno Smith somehow plays super well and he always plays like he did against the Rams. That changes a lot of this. But he probably won't do that and they're not going to beat the Packers. Now, Wilson could possibly come back after that if it's only a four-week turnaround, if he's able to recover. But let's say, worst-case scenario, he's out eight weeks. Let's keep going down the schedule. Against the Cardinals. In Arizona. I mean in Seattle. I don't think they win this game. Just plain and simple. The Cardinals are a very good team. The Seahawks with Geno Smith. Are not that good. That they could beat a good team like the Cardinals. Alright. Now. Going into Washington. I-, I think they win this game. It It is possible that they lose it. But, you know, unless Washington's defense starts to pick it back, become the defense that we expected them to be, uh, I don't think that the Seahawks will lose this game. Now, 49ers, the 49ers are going to shut down the rushing attack, and if they shut down the rushing attack, it's going to be hard for Geno Smith to win a football game. I have the 49ers beating them pretty easily. And then going into, te- going into Houston, playing the Texans, they win that game. The Texans are very bad. Now, their offensive scheme, at least, you know, how they run the ball, it could stay very similar because Geno Smith is still a mobile quarterback. They could still do the read option. They could still, you know, have Geno Smith run out of the backfield, just get the snap, and then just start running. Which is good. At least they don't lose that aspect of their offense. The problem is going to be finding out what Geno Smith is comfortable doing and adjusting to that. That's what's going to be really tough for him. Now, let's move on to one of the big storylines that a lot of people are talking about. The Chiefs just absolutely falling apart this season. They're 2-3 and three right now. They, they have not looked good. Alright, the Chargers look amazing, that's a division rival, the Chargers will probably win the division. But the Chiefs' defense, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, they are so bad. To think this team made it to the Super Bowl last year, with a defense like that, allowing 437.4 yards per game... That is not good at all. The running game is terrible on offense. And yeah, the passing game—the passing offense is good, obviously. It, you have Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. The passing offense is going to be good. But it's not good enough to make up for the flaws with the team. Having a defense that bad, you're not going to be very good. I don't care how good your offense is. That loss to the Bills is going to hurt them, okay? That loss to the Chargers also going to hurt them. That loss to the Ravens is going to hurt them. When they play a top-tier team like the Ravens, Chargers, you know, Bills, they can't win. And that just tells me the playoffs, they're not going to make it that far. They're not going to make it to their third Super Bowl in a row. If they can't beat these above-average teams, these top-tier teams, in the regular season, what makes you think they're going to be able to do it in the playoffs? Mahomes has looked good, but not best quarterback in the league good like he did the past couple of years. Tyreek Hill honestly hasn't really produced. He has the talent. You know, I I just don't think this Chiefs team looks anywhere even remotely close to what they were. And that's a big problem because after this year, they have to start paying Mahomes big money, $50 million per year type of money. And they will not be able to build a team much better than this while paying Mahomes that much money. And, you know, soon they're going to be losing players like Travis Kelsey. He's old. He's only going to get worse. Tyreek Hill gets banged up a lot. You never know when he's just going to have one of those big, big injuries. I mean, with his size and how he runs, it's bound to happen eventually. And the defense is just downright terrible. My goodness. But let's look at the team that, you know, beat the Chiefs, and made the Chiefs look this bad that I'm forced to talk about them and how they're probably not going to win their division. The Bills. Oh my god. Josh Allen is, if you ask me, Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And he has a wide variety of people to give the ball to, whether that's running the ball or passing. Isaiah McKenzie. Gabriel Davis, Emmanuel Sanders, Dawson Knox, who's been a breakout star this year out of nowhere, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Zach Moss, and Devin Singletary. Those are all weapons that, you know, some of those guys might not be the highest caliber type of people like Gabriel Davis, Devin Singletary, but still, to have all of them, to have all these players that I would say are above league average... Really, really helps you. I I think there's two real ways to build an offense, right? You either get three or two superstar players, okay? Like the Chiefs have done for the past couple of years with Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. Or you just load up on a bunch of players that you can rely on, but no real star, or maybe one or two stars. Right. The Bills are a team that just did the latter. They have Isaiah McKenzie, reliable target. Gabriel Davis, another reliable target, a reliable young target. A veteran and Emmanuel Sanders, who you could also rely on. Dawson Knox has been a great red zone guy and it's amazing, you know, he didn't have a single touchdown in his college career. Now he's getting a touchdown basically every week. Stephon Diggs, he's a star. We all know that. Stephon Diggs is an absolute stud of a receiver. Cole Beasley, one guy that you throw it to him when he's going on a slant, he is going to catch it. Zach Moss, a solid running back that you could run with on the goal line, run with on third and short situations, and he's also kind of dabbled in the receiving game, which is good for the team. Devin Singletary, another solid player. You know, you put Singletary out there, you're not expecting a huge gain, okay? Because Singletary's not that type of guy. He's not a Derrick Henry. He's not an Alvin Kamara. He's not a Saquon Barkley. But he is what a team like this needs, okay? They already have the passing attack. They just need a running back that could, you know, make the offense be or make the defense be like, okay, yeah. Sir, let's mainly worry about the passing game, but let's not just ignore Devin Singletary and Zach Moss running the ball. And I think Brian Dabble's design for the offense is really, really nice. I like how, I, I mean, I just said, the defense has to worry about the running game. And even though the running game isn't all that great, the defense is basically forced to worry about it, Because they line up in these heavy formations, even though they're a pass-heavy team. They line up with a fullback and two tight ends. And a running back. They'll do stuff like that. They'll line up in these heavy formations, even though they're just going to run the ball. I mean, throw the ball. They don't run the ball often, but teams are still falling for their play action because they're lining up in formations that really scare the defense with the running game, even though the running game isn't good. Because when you have a running back, a fullback, a quarterback in the backfield, and then two tight ends with the five offensive linemen, you have to stack the box. So then when Josh Allen, you know, does play action and then rolls out and throws an absolute dime to Stephon Diggs, it doesn't really feel like there's much you could do. You know that you really shouldn't be concerned about the running game, but if you're not concerned about the running game, that's when Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are going to sign. Because they're in such heavy formations, the running game is going to be good no matter what. But, you know, when you stack the box, they're they're really, really shut down because now you have enough weight and enough people in the box to shut down the running game, but then how are you going to beat the pass? Basically what I'm trying to say, and basically what Brian Dabble designs this offense to do, is not have a good running game, but rely on the running game. Not have a good running game, but rely on the defense being scared of the running game. Why would the defense be scared of the running game? Because the offense is lined up in heavy formations, that are meant to run the ball. So when they throw the ball, it it's surprising. Even though you expect Josh Allen and the Bills offense to be throwing the ball nearly all the time, you still have to worry about the running game because if you don't, that's when players like Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are going to let loose. And the defense also looks amazing. Gregory Rousseau, I believe he's the reason why. Okay? There is so much improvement on this team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And keep in mind, the team was in the AFC Championship last year, so the fact that I'm saying that there was a lot of improvement tells you this team is a Super Bowl-caliber team. They are probably the best team in the NFL. I would say right now they are. Do I think the Rams are going to win that title back? Probably. But as of right now, the Bills are the best team in the NFL and the defense stepping up and becoming one of the top-tier defenses in the league is a huge reason why, along with a great offensive scheme with a lot of super good players that can execute said offensive scheme. Now, okay, let me let me move on to probably the biggest topic of the week, but before I do that, I want to talk about our sponsor. Most people have probably been waiting for me to talk about John Gruden resigning, came completely out of nowhere, but it was also kind of expected at the same time. I do not want to talk about the political stuff from this situation, and because of that, this segment is going to be a lot shorter than it is for other people, because other people are saying their political thoughts on stuff like this. I'm not. Keep in mind. I'm 15. Do you really want to hear me talk about politics? I'm in high school. I have not even got out of sophomore year yet. All right. I don't think I'm the best person to be talking about politics. So I and because I'm aware of that, I'm not going to even attempt to. Instead, I'm just going to talk about this from a football standpoint and why it makes sense to me from, you know, an NFL business type of standpoint, okay? So, the NFL found emails while investigating the entire Washington situation, and these emails released that John Gruden was kind of not exactly the best dude morally, alright? A lot of sexist, racist, and misogynistic comments were these from, at first I was like, yeah, you know, it was 2011, you don't need to, like, all of a sudden bash this guy for something he said 10 years ago, but then a lot more of these emails were revealed, and now I understand why the NFL is basically forcing him out, not really, but yeah, they basically are, uh, I mean, the NFL has been building a culture of being accepting. That's what they've been trying to do through social media, through everything like that, okay? Remember, there's commercials on NFL Network talking about the NFL being gay. That's their quote, okay? The NFL supporting gay people, which is great that they're doing that. Absolutely amazing that they're doing that. And John Gruden is going against all these values that they're trying to tell people that they support. That's why they really had to force John Gruden out of there. Did they technically force John Gruden out? No. But they were just going to eventually release these emails to the entire media and keep revealing more and more emails as time went on. John Gruden didn't want to deal with the backlash. He resigned. He probably would have just got fired because of the type of distraction he's been for the team. It's safe to assume that there's a lot of other coaches that have said stuff of this nature, misogynistic, racist, and sexist comments in emails. And the NFL really, I wouldn't say they're making an example out of John Gruden because that clearly wasn't the purpose of them doing this. But I would say that they have scared, kind of, every NFL coach to really go through their emails, check, and make sure that they delete anything that can even be considered sexist, racist, misogynistic. Because if if they say one wrong thing about Roger Goodell to the media, if they say Anything that makes the NFL feel worried and the NFL kind of be like, no, I don't really like this guy. All of a sudden, just one look through your emails and bam, you're forced to resign. You're fired. Stuff like that. They have basically showed their hand and told every coach, I can blackmail you whichever way I want, whenever I want. So keep me happy. And you won't have to deal with it. Now what about from a football standpoint? Because that's really what I'm here to do. I'm a football guy. I do not care about the politics of it. I don't care about the business of it that much. I care more about the business than the politics. I don't care really at all about the politics of it. The Raiders are going to be a really bad team for the rest of this year. Obviously. When you have an interim head coach, your team is not going to be very good. It was very clear that the Raiders were distracted by something during the Bears game. I think that the main reason that they lost was because they were too focused on John Gruden and all this drama surrounding the team to, you know, produce on the field. I think that there is still a lot of drama around the team because of this, and it's going to take two or three weeks for the team to you know, recover and start getting used to their new interim head coach, who it hasn't been made official yet. They revealed that at the moment, they're thinking of getting the special teams coordinator to be the interim. I personally don't agree with that choice. I think Gus Bradley is the perfect, perfect choice for the team because he was a head coach before. He's head coach for a couple of years, and he's been in the league for a while. I get it that the special teams coordinator talks to the entire team, but Gus Bradley, he you know, he, he won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks. He was a head coach before. I think that he's the right choice for an interim, personally. And as of right now, that's all I really feel, not feel comfortable talking about, But that's all I feel like adding to that entire topic. If you want to hear a political rant about it, listen to Pro Football Talk, something like that, something that will get the politic stuff out of this entire thing, because I don't want to talk about the politics of it. I've said it multiple times, and I'm not going to talk about the politics of it, because I'm 15. I don't care about politics, and I... I... I'm focused more about the football stuff, of the NFL football stuff from this, and I get some of you want to, you know, hear about how how this, uh, how John Gruden is so wrong for doing all this, and I agree he is in the wrong for this, or how it was unfair that the NFL pulled this out, and how, you know, Washington should be, or how Washington should be getting investigated way more, and that they're getting distracted with something completely. Unrelated to the Washington situation, but I don't—I don't think I'm the right guy to talk about that type of stuff. Anyway, if you want to hear me talk about a lot of other stuff throughout the week, check out No Huddle NFL on TikTok. There's No Huddle NFL with no capitals and no spaces. Thanks for listening. I have homework that I have to get done. So I hope you enjoyed. Sorry it wasn't exactly a super long one. But like I said, I have homework. So I have to get that out of the way. And goodbye. See you next week on Wednesday at 10 p.m.